Reality Church is a church striving to be biblical. We pray that this sermon would help you in your personal walk. Be blessed. Good evening, Reality Church. Um, glad to be with you this evening for another B2B. Um, as you guys know, we completed our series on the Apostles' Creed last week, or actually week before last, and uh, we're going to start a little short series today. Before we get started, let me call you to worship. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time where we can come together and learn, where we can establish our faith more clearly by learning your precepts and things about you just a little bit more deeply, God. We thank you for these basic principles that we can learn to help us be more like you and be more conformed to the image of Christ. God, we ask you right now to open our hearts and our minds, God. No matter what is going on in the world, God, we know that we can trust you and what your word says, God. So right now, God, if there be any person who is hurting physically or mentally, God, we ask that you would be merciful and heal them, God. Let them receive something important from this message, God, but we know it's all by your will, so in your will, heal them. God, we ask you to clear all of our hearts and minds from the fear and frustration that we may have with how things are going in the world around us. God, we know that your will for us is to be at peace with you, knowing that our citizenship is not on this earth anyway, it is in heaven. So God, give us all peace that we may actually concentrate on you and, and seek your way. God, and during this Christmas season, to not forget the reason why we even celebrate is because Christ came to redeem us and save us from our sins. Help us now, Lord, to put our minds on you, to concentrate on you, and to know that your holy word is going to be what helps us in this time, God. That our, that our experience with you, of knowing that the Holy Spirit is within us, that it is sanctifying us, conforming us to the image of the Son, is what gives us hope and help in this time, God. No human, no principle, no party, no ideal, God, but only your word as it reveals who you are to us we thank you for that. Help us now to just put all of our hope in you. And we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So before we go any further, I hope that through the Apostles' Creed series, you um, actually printed out a copy so that you can learn it, teach it to your children, um, be more established in your um, in your walk with Christ through it, and understand more clearly what um, what is the the basic outline of the Christian faith. So, to continue with what we've been doing, I actually want us to um, say the Apostles' Creed together during B two B. So, if you know it, go ahead and say it with me. If you've got a copy, say it with me. This is an affirmation of what you believe. Um, a creed is a wonderful thing uh, to say. That way it 
through your own voice, your ear hears what you believe and it helps to establish you. <clears throat> so let's, um, let's say it together. I believe in God, the father almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the father almighty from there. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy spirit, the Holy Catholic church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> I wanted to get into a more seasonal, uh, couple, t uh, couple weeks with, um, back to the basics study our b2b lesson here i hope that um you guys are all enjoying the season i know it's a little different type of season with all that is going on in our world but i pray that your focus would be in the right area anyway and that is in christ for he is the reason for the season it's a it's an old cliche but it's actually the the, the whole truth that, that Christ is the reason for the season. So as we go into this, I want to actually go into something that I thought was, was really neat. Um, I was reading the, uh, the account in Luke of uh, the birth of Christ, and uh, I wanted to read it to you, and I want us to kind of piece through this and see what we can, we can dig out of it, okay? So now here the infallible inspired word of God. Luke 2, verses 1 through 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to, to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in the manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And, and when they saw it, 
they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, that it is infallible, inspired, and inerrant. It stands the test of time. We don't have to question whether it is truth, God. We know it is. It is a, his, a collection of historical documents that were written by eyewitnesses in the time of other eyewitnesses that testified to supernatural events. And they are divinely inspired, not just written by human hands. And we trust them. God, we ask that you would remove the veil, that we may see a clear revelation of who you are in this, in this text, God. God, we ask that you help us to retain that revelation knowledge that we may use it and understand it and be clear on it. God, we ask you to sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is one of the most beautiful stories uh, of all time. And I love Luke's telling of it. It's probably the most popular telling, probably what you hear for the most part, on in, at your Christmas services at your own churches or at our church, you've heard it before. If you're if you're one of our members, you hear it in the Peanuts Christmas story or the Peanuts Christmas special, right? I mean, we this is the this is the main one, and there's so much going on in this moment in history, in this, and even in this text. And I hope that by going over a few of these specific things that happened, that it may uh, help us to see the importance of it. Not only that, but it may boost your faith a little in, in, in what has happened and what has been done by God in redeeming us who are, who are his, his children, us who are born again. There's, there's so much glory and, and power in it. We need to review it. We need to understand it. We need to be clear on it because it is so good and so powerful. So first of all, I want to go back through verses one through four. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So in just these four verses, there are three huge things that are happening um, and all have important ramifications on the fact that this is the Savior of the world being born, okay? The first is that the time period of the birth is established. During the reign of Caesar Augustus, the year that he that he declared that the world should be registered, and Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everybody went to their town. So we know, historically, we have a timeline of when Christ was born. So people trying to say that Christ was not even real that he was never born and never happened well they have pro they the problem that they have is historically 
archaeologically, we have evidence. So beyond that, we get even more importantly to the fact that a child will be born in the line of David. Now, this is really important. Um, it has prophetic, um, prof prophetic significance. Um, in Isaiah 11.1, 1, as he's prophesying, he says, There shall come forth from a shoot, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. This is a prophecy that the Messiah prophesied in the Old Testament will be a child born in the line of David. So this is an extremely important part that Joseph was in the line of David. It's also known that Mary was also in the line of David. So this child was born in the line of David. So they were to be brought to the place where David's progeny, you know, those who descended from David would have to go to be counted. And that place was Bethlehem. That is the birthplace of Christ. A place that was prophesied. In Micah 5, 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephaphratha, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming is from old, from ancient days. So, he was to be of the line of David, and he was to be born in Bethlehem. Check the box, check the box. Both of those are fit this child that we're talking about that is to be born. So, we can see a lot of prophetic significance here. We see the historical significance and the prophetic uh, significance. Now, let's go a little further. Something that's that's really neat if we'll if we'll dig into it and look at it. Um, in verse seven, it says uh, of Luke two. In verse seven, it says, "And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn." Now, this sounds like a, a beautiful little you know, side note to the story, there is a ton of importance packed into this one little verse. And I hope to, to bring that out to you. I hope that maybe give you something that maybe you haven't thought about before. The first thing we see is that she gave birth to her firstborn son. Jesus was the firstborn son. Uh, we know that he had brothers. So the idea that Mary was perpetually a virgin is incorrect. She had kids after Jesus with her husband, Joseph. Now, he's the firstborn son. The firstborn son in, in this culture has all of the rights of inheritance. He gets the biggest portion. He gets, he gets the main thing. So I want to turn to John 6, and hopefully I want to draw, draw a little bit of a, of a parallel for you that hopefully helps you understand the significance of Jesus being the firstborn. 
Um, I know many of you think, well, of course she's the firstborn. She was a virgin, right? Well, listen, there's more significance. There's significance in every piece of who Jesus is. There, there, there's never anything that's just an idle thing that happened. No happenstance, no certain, no uh, coincidences. Christ was the most, had the most deliberate life of, of any human being ever born. He was all God, all man. His life was deliberately laid out the way it was for, for a purpose. Um, John 6, uh, verse 37 through 40 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, you ask, what does that have to do with the firstborn son? Well, the firstborn son receives the inheritance. The inheritance that Christ received from the Father was that all who were his would come to him. That means that he doesn't lose any of his inheritance. His inheritance is we who were born again, his elect. So we look at that and we say, that that's a powerful, powerful inheritance. It's part of the covenant of redemption. This is the gift that the Father gave the Son, that all that are His will come to Him. So that's, that, that, that's beautiful to think that we are that inheritance. Now, another part of this verse is that the baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes, just like any other baby. And I think that really speaks to the human side of Christ, that, that, that Jesus was just, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, just like, just like any child would be. I think that's kind of beautiful when you think about it, that he, 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 he was humbled. You know, he humbled himself. That's how, that's the humbling that happened. He took on flesh. He took on man. And, 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 you know, it, it, it you know, it's hard for us to fathom the hypostatic union, the fact that he was all God, all man, but that's what happened. Um, you know, we may one day preach a, or teach a sermon on the hypostatic union that he is all God, all man, and how that actually makes sense and how that works out. But um, I think that the fact that he's wrapped in those swaddling clothes, those, those little rags that you wrap a baby in to keep him warm is beautiful. That the, the God of the universe humbled himself to save us and was just wrapped up like any baby. Now, another point in this verse is that the baby was, was, it says that there was no place for him in the end. He was, so he was put in a, in a manger because there was no place for him in the end. Now, this really is, is almost prophetic in the life of Christ because it shows rejection. He wasn't, they weren't allowed to come into the end. So there was like a rejection there, and we see later on, and we see in, in the life of Christ and how, how everything went down, and we know this was going to happen, and he was rejected by his own. His own didn't, didn't, didn't accept him. The Jewish people didn't accept him. Uh, still to this day, the Jewish people do not accept Christ as, as the Savior, except for those who are Messianic Jews who have come and repented and, and placed their trust in Christ. So 
this is prophesied that he would be rejected. And this is the beginning of that prophecy. Isaiah 53, 3 says this, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So he endured rejection from the day of his birth on. He, he, he knew what it was to be rejected. And now, if we're in him, we will never be rejected by him. And that's a beautiful thing. Let's read verses 8 through 14 of uh, Luke chapter 2 really quick. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So this birth announcement of Christ was given to shepherds. And that is, is an interesting choice. First reason it's an interesting choice is because the Lord is a shepherd to his people. We see in, in, in Psalm uh, 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So I think it's a little ironic that he would announce the, that the birth announcement would be to shepherds. Now, it's very significant in it for another reason if you look historically. In this time, uh, shepherds did not have a good reputation at all. Um, they were transient by nature. So they'd go from place to place to place. They really never settled down. Well, why? why? Because, I mean, they're shepherds. Their sheep may go, and they, and they may go with them, or they may be looking for more, sh more sheep to take care of. Um, they were uh, actually um, part of the way that the... the um, sacrifices were taken care of because they were taking care of the sacrifices outside. So they, they were doing what they needed to do pr to protect the sacrifices that would be offered. Um, but they were transient by nature and because of their occupation, they were also ceremonial, ceremonially unclean much of the time because of what they had to do. So those who are ceremonially unclean are, are naturally going to be ostracized by the people uh, who were trying to remain clean. Um, so that kind of gives them a little bit of a reputation. But then if you look even deeper, it's actually reported and recorded in history that shepherds were also considered unreliable to give testimony in court. So shepherds weren't necessarily the cream of the crop here. This wasn't the, the best profession. I mean, uh, they weren't the, the, the people that everybody looked at as trustworthy and good folks. Yet, the birth of Jesus was announced to them. And I think that's the picture of what comes with Christ. Christ has come to save the lowest of the low, the sinner. And for his birth to be announced to those who were the lowest of the low of the culture, 
just kind of paints a picture of who Christ really is. He is the one who has come to save. He says um, that the physician, that the, that the sick are the ones who need a physician, not the healthy. So he looks to seek and save that which is lost, which is all of us. You know, no matter how good we think we are, we need Christ to save us because we're all sinners. And even if we're in Christ, even if we're born again, we need Christ every day. And we need to repent of the sin that, that so easily besets us, the things that keep us, you know, tangled up in junk. We need to we need Christ every day saving us. So Christ came to save the lowest sinner. And I think it's a neat thing that the the birth announcement came to the ones that nobody wanted anything to do with. The angels' words that they said to the shepherds, I think, are very significant as well. The angel said some very important thing, very important words. He said the word Savior. You see, the angel actually informed Mary that this child would save their people from their sins. And there's no other hope outside of a Savior because we know that inside of us there's nothing to save us. There's no good thing that can save us and set us free from our sin other than a Savior. And that Savior is Christ the Lord. The, the angel also says the word Christ. He says that, that this is the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In Christ, this means the anointed one. It's not just his last name, but it's his supreme title. We talked about that in, in, in the B2B on the Apostles' Creed, and we we're on the lines, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Um, it's his supreme title. Christ corresponds clearly to the Old Testament Messiah. The Messiah was going to be the one chosen to save the people from their sins, and Christ means the anointed one, that Christ is the one anointed to do that. Christ means the fulfillment of, of all prophecy of the Messiah to come. So in saying it's Christ the Lord, is saying this is the one we've talked about. This is your Messiah. He's born. He's here. Then the angel said, Lord. Now, in calling the baby that, the, the angel was speaking of the authority that Jesus would have. You see, he has all authority. Um, as he was leaving this earth, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So Christ is in authority. He is the authority. He is the head. He is the Lord of lords. So... These, these, these words point to one thing, that he is the Savior, the one anointed by God to save us, and he is Lord of all. Now, one of the most beautiful parts of the narrative of these shepherds um, is the shepherd's reaction after seeing the child. Let's go to verse 20 of Luke chapter 2. And the shepherds, they, they had gone to Bethlehem to see what was up, and this is how they returned. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Their reaction after seeing Christ and the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, 
was to glorify and praise God. They glorified and praised God. That should be our reaction to Christ and understanding even these things that we're teaching tonight. It should drive us to glorify God and praise him for the wonderful salvation that he has provided through his son, Jesus Christ. We can't leave the last verse out. Many would skip over it because it just seems like uh, it's, it's almost like a housekeeping verse. You know, well, let's finish this up and let's get to the next thing, right? Well, this verse um, has some important stuff in it. It's, it's, it's pretty important. Um, verse 21 says, at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. And we cannot underestimate this. Yes, it's, and it's also amazing that he was, the angel said his name's going to be Jesus. And that's what you're going to name him before he was even conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's super cool. But here's the, here's the greatest thing. Jesus was born a Jew. He was circumcised on the eighth day, as all Jews must be in order to be Jews. He was born under the law. Now, this had to happen in order for him to fulfill the law. In order to fulfill the law, he had to be under the law. So it's important that he was circumcised on the eighth day, making him a full-fledged, 100%, straight up, no doubt about it, Jew. And then he can fulfill the law, which was absolutely essential for our salvation. For he took our sin upon himself, who knew no sin, that we may become the righteousness of God. How? By being clothed in his righteousness, for he fulfilled the law. Now, this, this, this whole set of verses bring out some of the most important points of the incarnation and we can understand these things and it, it, it should lead us to even greater worship of our God in this glorious incarnation of, of the God man that Christ all God, all man was born. And it's beautiful. It's wonderful for us. It's unbelievable and it should lead us to worship him. But what does this have to do with us right now? Well, all of this that we have read is for one purpose, our salvation, our redemption, our justification. It is to save us from our sins. We have a Savior, one who fulfills all of the prophecies of Messiah, and we don't need to question that. He has done all that needs to be done to save us. He was rejected. And he will not reject those who are in him. He said that all of those who are given to him will, he will not lose a single one of us. He will save even the worst of sinners. That's why he came. No matter how awful you are, rep repent and trust in Christ and he will save you. He fulfilled all of the law. We couldn't. We can't fulfill this law, but Christ did to 
every letter. He dotted every T and crossed every I, as they say in the, uh, in the old church. Um, jokingly, of course, he crossed every T and dotted every I is probably is, is the correct way to say it, but it's funnier to say he uh, dots every T and crosses every I. Anyway, but he fulfilled all of the law, every jot and tittle, every piece. And now he clothes us in his righteousness, the righteousness that he has actually earned. We don't earn any righteousness. We have nothing. We have nothing to bring to the table. It's all his righteousness that clothes us. And we should react as the shepherds did, glorifying and praising God. We praise God for the coming of the Messiah. That's why the Christmas season is joyful. For Messiah has come. He who is Savior. He who can redeem us. He can, who can save us from our sins. So let me pray for you. I pray that this has been something that has opened your eyes and maybe helped you out tonight. Um, maybe you've learned something new if you haven't. Maybe some of the things that you needed to be reminded of in this different Christmas season than we've ever had. Maybe those things have come to the forefront of your mind through this study. Uh, we will also be, be studying even deeper in the... Uh, in the next B2B, which is actually, I think it's on Christmas Eve Eve, but hey, uh, it, it, it's going to be a study of the first advent versus the second advent. And I think it'll be really powerful and, and, and actually joyful and enjoyable for you all. Um, so let me pray for you real quick. Father God, we thank you so much for this word. We know that our hope only lies in you, in Christ, this baby born in a manger who grew up to save us from our sins. And God, in him we have all hope, all glory, all of our righteousness is in Christ. Strengthen us during this time that we may focus clearly on that. God, if there be anybody who hears us who does not know Christ as Savior, God, we ask that you would convict their hearts that they may repent of their sin and place their trust in Christ alone for salvation. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for all your many blessings. Keep us all safe as we go about our day. And God, as we go through this season, keep our hearts stayed on you. Holy Spirit, thank you for sanctifying us. And we just ask you to keep us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So a couple quick announcements. Uh, church Sunday, 11 a.m., Reality Church, we will be meeting in the house. Um, after service, bring a finger food because directly after service, we will be having our um, get-together to put together our um, uh, uh, outreach uh, things that we've got gotten together for generations. Um, come, uh, enjoy uh, fellowship and a little bit of finger foods and we can get them things together so we can hopefully bless them. Um, also I'm going to be making a few announcements. So we had a leadership meeting Sunday evening, got some really good announcements to give you. So come and enjoy, um, continue to think on the question that I gave you on Sunday morning. Uh, do I love the word of God? That is our pondering question for the week. So 
keep 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 thinking on those things. But before you go, let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name.